podcast on the road. Mike, I'm here with my buddy Alex. What up? And uh, what are we doing today, Alex? We're actually headed to Westbrook, Maine to catch a limitless wrestling show called Welcome to the Dance. Yes, they're going to be crowning the first ever Limitless Wrestling Champion after three and a half years in, uh, in production. I don't know how to... Anyways, but... In development? Three, yeah, after three and a half years, they're going to declare a Limitless Wrestling Champion, which I had Randy, the owner, promoter of Limitless, on the show about a year and a half ago, and I asked him about that. We're getting up towards the second year anniversary. Like, are you going to have a Limitless Wrestling Championship? And he said... I don't know, do we need one? I mean, there's all kinds of titles out there. Do we really need a championship? And, you know, we we seem to be doing pretty good with that one. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess guess you're right. You don't need one. But uh, lately, they've been battling over the crown of who is the ace of Limitless Wrestling. And that's been a storyline now for about a year between Ace Romero, JT Dunn, uh, Anthony Green, and then sometimes Briggs, sometimes others. But... Essentially, those three guys essentially have been battling over who is the real ace of Limitless Wrestling. And, and I'm really interested in figuring out where exactly does Maxwell Jacob Friedman feel fit in all this yeah. because he's been in and out of Limitless. He's one of the kings. Him and him and JT Dunn are the kings, you know. But, kings of what? I don't know. But my my thought, my theory, my what is the point I'm trying to make? There we go. Is that if they're battling over who the ace is, it's essentially a championship. Exactly. They're battling over a title, and that's what the Limitless Championship is. It's a it's a title. So I'm I'm glad they're finally having one. I don't know if you've seen the belt yet or not. Uh, I'm not it is gorgeous. Actually, I have. It's uh, really really cool. It, it is gorgeous. It is. It's not a WWE replica belt. It's not a chintzy independent wrestling belt. I mean, it is a nice looking championship. So. It's a real nice. Anyhow, so the reason why I had you on today, Alex, is not just because we're, we're driving, and, and uh, but I haven't had you on the show yet, and uh, I like to focus on fans sometimes and why they're fans and what they did when they started wrestling and what their story of wrestling fandom is, and that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Yes, we're going to Limitless Wrestling, and we'll talk about that later with Mikey, or we'll talk about it after the show on the ride home, but what I really want to talk about right now on the drive there is is your wrestling fandom. You know, so like, do you remember the first time you watched wrestling? Um, not really, because I got introduced to wrestling when I was living in uh, uh, Massachusetts. Uh, my dad was stationed in the United States Army, and um, my first taste of wrestling came through Rocky Three, seeing you know Hulk Hogan as Thunderlips taking on Rocky Balboa. And I kind of got into it. And then, of course, it went into uh, rock and wrestling. Uh, How old were you then? I would probably say I was about... In 1985. Right. Um, Six. I'm 41 now. So, you were 70. Yeah. All right. So, all right. That's an impressionable age, if you will, uh, when it comes to wrestling and absorbing wrestling. And I got you're 41. Yeah. I didn't know that. When did you turn 41? Uh, this past September. I'm going to be 40 
myself this June. I just, I don't know, like, first time ever feeling old is by saying I'm going to be 40. Anyways. So, alright, other than Hulk Hogan as Thunderlips, what was Jeremy... Was it WWE or WWF? Is that what you... It was WWF, yeah. And who did you like? Um, right off the gate, I liked uh, Hogan. Yeah. Um, I liked Roddy Piper. Uh, Demolition. Uh, Strike Force. Strike Force. Oh yeah. I don't think ever anyone heard say that. Well, you know, it was kind of like the uh, before I knew it, it was like Can Am Connection, and that was like yeah. a snap, and then next thing you know, it was Tito Santana and Rick Martel. Quick replacement. Strike Force. Um, I like the theme song, Girls in Cars. Come on, Rick Dupree. Yeah, yeah. Girls in Cars. Good stuff. Written by Jimmy the Mouth of South Park. Hey, so. Uh, what was it? The segment Joey, uh, Joey Eastman. His, uh, his favorite wrestler is Savio Vega. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just makes me laugh. When I, because like, I don't know how it came up when I was talking. I'm like, so who's your favorite wrestler? Oh, I love Savio Vega. And I was just like, because he's a bullshitter and he's a carny, basically. And I was just like, are you being serious right now? I was like, oh, yeah, no, I absolutely love Savio Vega. Like, and he was legitimately meant to end up. <coughs> Savio Vega was coming to Maine was 10 years ago now, probably. IWE at the time and I just remember thinking like boy Joey would absolutely love the fact that Savio is going to be on the show it sure as shit if Joey was not managing the team that Savio was wrestling against which he's I think that's been the only time one or two times he's ever been to IWE was you know Savio Vega was there and uh, during the match process of the match he gets up on the apron gets in the ring to interfere and Savio you know starts laying him into him and then, you know, knocks him out of the ring and he's laying there on the floor and I right in front of me and I just look down and I go, so you you loving this or what? And he's like, I'm losing it, man. I'm losing it. <laughs> so, it's just funny to me. But anyways. Joey Eastman, also a fellow Chicago Bears fan. Duh, Bears! So, anyways. Uh, when was the first time you ever went to wrestling live? Oh, wait, let me rephrase that. What's your first big memory of wrestling once you started getting into it? Like, for me, it was WrestleMania 4. I got the first time I ever watched the pay-per-view live. Um, well, you know, live on pay-per-view, that is. So what, what was your big first wrestling memory or standout um, after Thunderlips? It would have to be, actually, um, WrestleMania 3. I was living in uh, Stuttgart, Germany. <coughs> um, and we only had one TV station, and... Uh, they would run on Saturdays, uh, predated, um, cut versions of Superstars. Well, it just so happened that for a good week period of time, in the time slot that Superstars would run, they actually ran blocks of WrestleMania 3. So, I got to see... You know, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, which was the first time I ever saw the, these people uh, taking on Macho Man Randy Savage in a Continental title. Um, the the kicking out of um, Brutus the Barber Beefcake out of the Dream Team. Yeah. Um, and then he came the barber by cutting Adrian Adonis' hair. So after, yeah, yeah, exactly. Everybody knows the Hulk Hogan body slam heard around the world, Andre the Giant match. Did you ever... Uh watch any wrestling in Germany, like German wrestling, like 
catch CWA? Uh, no, it was very like limited. We were living on a base. It was basically, you know, a cable. Okay. So, what was the first time you went to wrestling live? Um, I would have to say it was nineteen ninety-two. I. Uh, it was at the Cumberland County Civic Center now, Cross Arena. Um, Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine. And the main event of that evening was Hulk Hogan taking on Macho King, Randy Savage for the title. Um, and there were several other matches that, was, you know, led up. Was Hogan the champion? Yes. Was Sherry Martel Randy's manager? Yes. Did Hogan lose by countout? Uh... No, he he actually won. Okay. See, I I went uh, June fourth, nineteen eighty nine, and then Hogan lost by countout uh, at the uh, Cumberland County Civic Center because in ninety two Hogan was a champion. Hogan in ninety two, uh, Macho Man was a babyface and he was the champion. Like it was Flair at the Royal Rumble, and then Macho Man. Oh yeah, that's right. Flair, that's right. Bret Hart. And then Hogan in 93, but then he didn't wrestle any arena shows in 93 around here, so it was probably earlier, like 91, 90. Yeah, because my sister um, graduated from high school in 92, and we had moved to, you know, we were in the process of moving to Maine, so my uncle... Um, got me, got us tickets. So, um, it was probably, I know it was well before the, um, Toronto WrestleMania 6. Okay. Did you go to that? No. Why is that a landmark? Because that was, you know, Ultimate Warrior won the title, and, you know, it was just, I'm just trying to bridge the gap of oh, where okay. I. Okay. Well, you still have good memories of going yeah. to that first live show for Yeah. Me. All right. And there was like, I mean, you could be right, because there was a lot of the guys there. Demolition took on the Brain Busters. Okay. Um, oh, 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 see, I'm jealous now. I never, I love the Brain Busters, and I've never, and I've met Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. I'm jealous now, okay. That's, you've met them. I, you know. Okay, well, I've never seen them wrestle live. Like, that's a big thing for me. I've never actually seen them wrestle in the ring, so. A little jealous. <laughs> a little jealous. What was the uh, next show you went to after that? Um, it was one of the Augusta Civic Center, um, and it was, uh, I know one of the matches had uh, Paul Roman in it. Um, he had just did the hill turn, but Hercules wasn't with him, um, and I forgot who he was. Glory. Yeah. Um, that had to be around 92. Yeah, and... Uh, so, the, so the, now I'm saying this was probably back around like um, 89, 90 is when we. Because um, the Brain Busters were there in 88. Right, right. So. 88 through 89, basically. So, yeah, that's. And then. And then. Um, Paul Roma, I know he was in, I don't know, like, I actually really enjoyed the tag team, 
of Power and Glory. Yep. Paul Roman Hercules. I thought they were a good tag team. They were. I mean... So you, are you talking I, about when Roma turned on Jimmy Powers? Uh, no. How Power and Glory uh, actually formed was... <laughs> okay. Um, the way I remember it is Paul Roma had just lost a match, and um, he was getting attacked, and the Rockers came out to help him, and he... You know, started pushing them like he didn't need their help. Right, and which got into a bit of a shoving match, and then Hercules Hernandez came out and you know helped help him attack the Rockers. Well, Rockers should mind their own business. Well, we all know what eventually happened to the Rockers anyway. So, all right, that's really cool. So you went to it. When's the um? So, as you're watching wrestling on TV this whole time, you're watching WWE. Mm-hmm. Are you watching anything else? Um, I was watching um, uh, TBS, the uh, Power Hour. I was watching um, Main Event uh, Wrestling on TBS as well. Um, and Saturday night. Around you know before it was called Saturday, yeah before it was called before it was you know I think it was still called World Championship Wrestling it before was. Saturday night yeah, it was yeah did you watch like uh, I remember like living in Maine we also like uh, did you ever watch AWA on ESPN um, I did yep what about uh, on the local cable channel network time there uh, ICW oh yeah Our before ICW winner ECW yep. Ooh, Vanna just turned 178,000 miles. Congratulations, Vanna. I love my man. Uh, That's almost like that Queen song, I Love My Car. When did you go to uh, your first independent show? Um, I think it was one of the you know first times I actually got associated with you, and um, it was actually at the... Uh, Calumet Club. Calumet Club. So yep. uh, NWA on fire. Yep. That was the first time. Like I had seen you at, at uh, your work, mm-hmm. and then I remember seeing you at the Calumet Club for that wrestling show, and then I think I ran into Walmart after that. Yep. And then big time wrestling was coming to the Civic Center. Yep. And I think I remember asking you at your work if you're gonna if you're going to that, and you said no that you didn't drive. And I was like, well, I mean, I I'm, found out where you lived, and I was like, I'm driving right by your house, essentially. I mean, if you want to go, I'll give you a ride. Which, I didn't know you from Adam, if you will, as the saying goes. Yeah. But my theory on it is, you know, wrestling fans got to stick together. Exactly. As, as a wrestling fan, you can't go to wrestling. So, oh, hey, Big Rock. Anyhow. So your first indie show is NWA on fire. Yep. How'd that treat you? Um, they they treated me really well. I uh, enjoyed a lot of the matches. Guy actually got to uh, meet a couple of the guys and um, <coughs> talk to them still. And yeah, it's, uh, it was a pretty cool experience. I feel like Ace Rivera was on that show. Uh. He, he might not have been. I don't know. He was he using. I know he was using the biker gimmick back then. It's yeah, run. I, I feel like he might have been. I know Julie. I know, I know Julian Starr was there. I honestly don't remember. I, I remember Jason Rumble and David D'Angelo. They were the. Uh, they were a tag team. They were the crown jewels. Crown jewels. Yeah, they were a tag team. I remember that. 
Um, Brian Fury and um, uh, DC Dillinger were. Had a great match. Um, they were the um, sabotage. There was a there was a lot of good matches on that. Um, and a, a young girl. Um, I don't know if many people would know the name, but. Um, um, Mercedes KV. Yeah, Mercedes KV was there, yeah. and. I don't know of anybody who actually knows what Mercedes KV. Well, she's pretty well known right now as a multiple um, time WWE Women's Champion, uh, NXT Women's Champion, and is currently one half of the first ever WWE Women's Tag Team Champions with Belly. I know where you're going, (laughs) but they're not the first ever WWE Tag Team Champion. I know. I know. They're not. Uh, It's. It's in the script. It's what they're saying. I know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they're not the first ever WWE Tag Team Champions. WWE had Tag Teams Champions before. Yep. They are held by Princess Victoria and Velvet McIntyre. They are held by Leilani Kai and Judy Martin, the Glamour Girls. They are held by the Jumping Bomb Angels. They were held by the Glamour Girls with the last Tag Team Champions recognized in 1992 before the title went vacant along with the women's title. So, no, they're not the first ever. They're the current and you're talking about who? Um, Sasha Banks. Who I think is kind of overrated. Yeah. <laughs> Not for nothing, I actually wanted to see the Samoan girls win the belts. Uh, Nia Jackson, Tamina. I actually was pulling for the Iconics. Yeah, I can see that as well. I like him. Here's my thing. Like, I've always been, like, I don't know, I'm weird when it comes to wrestling, but, like, you know, the, the Wild Justin Wrestling's? Yeah. The Wild Samoans were the tag team champions, you know? Yep. And then the Samoan SWAT team were tag team champions in the, in the, in the NWA, and then they were tag team champions in the WWE. As the head shrinkers. Right. And then, you know, and, and then um, the Usos have been the tag team champions. And now, when, I just I have this thing about when, seeing the Samoans being tag team right. champions. Right. Now, when the head shrinkers were tag team champions, was it still... Um, Fatu and Sioni, or, no, or was it Fatu and Samu? It was Samu and Fatu when okay. they were tag champs. Yeah, when Sioni was there, he, they, the Barbarian, yeah. and he wasn't, they weren't tag champs then, no. So, I, um, yeah, so I was rooting for Tamina and Nia Jackson. I think they will get the tag titles eventually, personally speaking, but we'll, time will tell. So, your first indie show was, uh, NWO on fire. I mean, and since then, I mean, we, we've been to a few WWE shows. Yep. B- between the WWE show that you, the, you know you went to the one, the, the two we've talked about. Did you go to any others before? Um. Uh, yeah, I I went to the um, show where um, Lex Luger was um, there. Um, Steiner Brothers were still there. Oh, no. um, the Quebecers are still there, and I believe the main event was Yokozuna versus Bret Hart for the world title in a steel cage. Oh, that was in Augusta. Yep. Yeah, okay. I did not go to that show, but I'm familiar with that show. Yeah, I had a co-worker who went to that years ago, and she brought her pictures in from the show. It was the big blue steel cage. Yep. And um, the coolest thing there is um, when um, the Steiner brothers were leaving the ring, I actually got to darted towards ringside 
towards the aisle and got a prime spot. And I was amazed with how um, long Rick Steiner's arm spans were because he stood in the middle of the aisle as he's going down and he was able for a good period of time to stretch both ends and you know high five in the fans nice um, he stopped high fiving the fans just as he got to me and he uh, continued well, to walk in the back it was you yeah that yeah that too but but um uh scott steiner actually um gave me a fist bump uh, which was pretty cool and i was i was amazed how jacked he looked um yeah, steiner brothers were great tech. yeah they were um, definitely should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, I thought they should be in the Hall of Fame well before the uh, Dudley Boys, but um, with you know Scott Steiner's on again, off again, you know, it has a lot to do with know, politics. Yeah. So obviously, you've been a wrestling fan your whole life. It seems like thirty years of it, at least. Yeah. You know, going back to Thunderlips '85. You've been to a bunch of indie shows. I actually met Big John Studd in all the places uh, at IHOP at uh, South Portland. Really? Um, and across the uh, Portland Mall back in... I have not heard this story. Back in um, 89, 88. Uh, you know, he was back in the Fed then. Yep. Um Me and my family were actually home from uh, Germany uh, to attend my cousin's wedding. Yeah. And... Me, my mom, my dad, um, and my sister, and I can't remember if someone else was with us, but um, too long ago, we happened to just go to IHOP for breakfast. Yeah. And, you know, long and behold, you know, here comes, you know, at the time, I kind of thought it was him. It looked like him. I wasn't quite here, but it, in comes Big John Stud, sits down. You know, and, you know, me and my folks, my mom and my sister and my dad are going, that's Big John Stud, go get his autograph. I'm like, oh, I don't want to be, you know, going up. I'm like, no, no, no. And, of course, I finally saw a waitress go up, and he signed the autograph for him, and I was like, okay. And I walked up, and uh, he was a gentle giant. I'll tell you right now, he um, signed the autograph, signed a... You know, placemat for me. Still have it. Um, unfortunately, it got lost somewhere between yeah. uh, the return trip. Um, I don't know what happened to it, uh, but yeah, it was it. It's it's lodged in my memory. Yeah, I mean, he picked me up, gave me a giant hug, and you know, cracked, oh yeah, it is. I uh, can't believe you never told me that before. Yeah, That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's just the only. Okay, so. Uh, to relate to that, my me stories of meeting wrestlers, uh, I was in, this is no big, I mean, I was in Lewiston with the Burger King and Tony Alice was there, but he, that's where he lived, so it's no big deal, however, uh, I went to, back in 2005, I went to the first ever WWE show they did at the Coliseum in Lewiston, they've only run three shows there, uh, no, two shows there, I've been to both of them, anyways, I went to this one by myself back in 2005 on a Saturday night, and then that Monday, I went down to Boston, my buddy Rude for uh, Monday Night Raw. So that was that was a fun couple of days. Anyhow, um, after the show, the next day on Sunday, they had another house show, a SmackDown house show in Lewiston. I mean, in uh, Bangor. So the wrestlers were heading north. Well, I stopped at the Burger King on the interstate in Litchfield at the time. That, that building has been since torn down. And I ran into 
Arn Anderson, Steve Kern, Kit Cash, and Savon Gregor. Uh, Steve Kern, Fabulous Ones, Skinner, right? Yep. Nice. Yeah, so I thought that was cool. Steve Kern was wicked awesome. Like, I didn't dare talk to Arn, honestly. I was too intimidated. Uh, and I just, you know, told Savon, hey, great match. And he was like, oh, hey, thing. Like, he was really polite. Kit Cash was cool. But Steve Kern was really cool. He's just like, I held the door for him as he was coming in. And he was, it was December, he was freezing. And I just remember, like, he made the comment, like, do you live here? And I went, actually, yeah, I do. He's like, man, forget that, because he's a Florida guy. Yeah. He's like, it is freezing. And I'm like, it's actually not that bad out. He had this big tarp on, winter hat, you know, I was just wearing my flannel shirt. No hat, no nothing. Uh, that, that was like me. The, that was like me the other day, yesterday at work. Actually, I'm holding um, cards in and uh, um, bringing in. I'm wearing just my, you know, out, my regular shirt. I have a vest on. Not even, you know, bringing a couple of my, you know, my store manager and a couple of other my other employees are like, "Are you cold, man?" I'm like, "No, my blood's pumping. I'm, you know, warm. This is nothing, you know." <laughs> Anyhow, all right. This is what happens. We always get off track. Uh, so, but back to you know, you mentioned all this stuff. You you mentioned Tony Atlas. Yeah. We have some. You, we mean you have a funny you know Tony Atlas story, which we'll, I'm sure we'll go into some other time. But <laughs> subway. Yes. Yeah, yes. I told that before. Actually. <laughs> um, so anyway, so you've been to, so you've been to, you've been to a bunch of shows now. Yep. Sweet independent shows WWE. Uh, you and I have been to a bunch of shows together. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, we went to Chikara a couple of times, but the one down in Portland in 2012 was the best one. Yep. The one with Sarah Del Rey against Andy Kingston. Yep. Main event. The Young Bucks were there. Yep. That was a great show. But what is your what's the your favorite show you've been to so far? Not match, but show as a whole. Um, I would have to say um, probably. Uh, the second uh, big time wrestling event that we went to, um, where it was, um, I'm a total mark. You know this. I totally flip out for anything that's franchise Shane Douglas. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, he was in a uh, three man tag team with the Delfonco brothers, um, and they were doing the new triple threat. Yeah. Um, Alfonso. and Alfonso's. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I got the crowd um, turned on them uh, by saying, "When you, when I say Pittsburgh, you say sucks." And I think that chant lasted about a good 15, 20 minutes. It seemed like it lasted quite a while. Yeah. yeah um, but also, but uh, you love Shane Douglas, and so you made fun of him. Well, yeah, that's what his fans have to do. You know, if he's the he's the heel. Now, I'm trying to think. Did... We went the year before, though. Right. right? Yep. The one with Shane Douglas against Tommy Dreamer in yep. the street fight. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that was the first time they went to Augusta, yep. I think. They had Big Foley with them. Yep. And uh, we're going to see Tommy Dreamer tonight, actually. Exactly. Dallas Wrestling. And I'm very excited because I've met Tommy Dreamer uh, a few times now, but I've never actually got my picture taken with him. Uh, so that's my plan tonight. Yeah. And. I have an ECW card signed by him, which back when they had the uh, ECW figures, the original San Francisco yep. Toymakers, they made ECW figures, and they had some run that came with 
uh, ECW trading cards, yep. which those are hard to come by. Um, but anyway, so I have an EC. I had one of those cards signed by Tommy Dreamer. I had a TNA card signed by Tommy Dreamer, and then uh, two different WWE ones. And so I actually got my hands on another ECW Tommy Dreamer card from those because they make two different design. They had two different Tommy Dreamer cards, two different pictures. So I got the other one. I uh, found it online. It was relatively cheap, and I was like, I'm going to see Tommy. I don't need another Tommy Dreamer signed card, but I love those ECW cards, and I love ECW, so I'm going to get that signed. Did you ever watch ECW back, original ECW? Um, I watched a couple matches when it took over uh, yeah, Spike. Oh, Spike? Yeah. Oh, when it was, when it was on uh, TNN at the time. Right. Okay. See, I, my, my buddy Jay had a satellite dish when we were in high school. So he would actually get Sports Channel Philadelphia on the satellite dish till Friday at 1 a.m. or Saturday at 1 a.m. Uh, and Friday after school, I'd go to Jay's house, and then at 1 a.m. we'd watch ECW on, on his satellite. And to me, like, that was amazing. And I absolutely loved ECW, and I, I love Dreamer, and I love all those ECW guys, and I love watching that footage. But I'll tell you one thing I can't stand is when we go to a, a show that an ECW wrestler is on, and people chant ECW. Because a lot of these people chanting ECW never watched the original ECW. They weren't even alive when it happened, most right. of them. Because it shut down 18 years ago this month. You know, March 2001, ECW and WCW, for that matter, went out of business. And I've always had this issue with it. It's like, look, it's guys, come on. Like, it's not the only thing they did. And, and I was actually thinking about this earlier today, because I was going to talk to you and Mikey about it. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me, you know, like, Tully Blanchett, Arn Anderson, Ric Flair, Barry Windham, you know, they, they also hold up the four fingers. Mm-hmm. And people still love them as being the horsemen. And that was even longer ago. Yeah. Especially Tully Blanchard. I mean, you know, like, he was a horseman from, what was it, 84 to 88, 85 and 88, whatever it was, mm-hmm. when him and Arn left, and then he never came back again. But yet he still holds up those four fingers as a horseman. Right. And, and and what a horseman's supposed to be, and I love it, and I think it's great. And like when I get when I see, you know, it's like I'm gonna I'm going to WrestleCon, I'm going to WrestleMania week this year, I'm going to Indie Mania as they call it, I'm going to eight shows and the two day Wrestle Convention, and I'm fucking jacked as hell about it. And, and they just announced Arn Anderson's gonna be there now, so they're doing. They're, they haven't officially announced it yet, but they're teasing a photo op of Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, J.J. Dillon, and Barry Windham. Which, I had that done in 2009. But I had already decided, even though I already have a bunch of cards signed by Tully Blanchard, even though I already had my picture taken with Tully Blanchard, I want to go talk to Tully Blanchard again. I want to get my picture taken with again. I want to hold those four fingers with Tully Blanchard again, because I love Tully Blanchard. And uh, so I guess, you know, I mean... People still chanting ECW. I, I, I guess it's. I guess. I guess I can't really say anything about it. Uh, I'm. I'm completely blown away, dude. That you're actually getting that opportunity. And we didn't have a camera here, but as Mike was holding up the uh, infamous Four Horsemen symbol, I did the Four Horsemen, and then I did my quick impression of Arn Anderson doing the old thumb across the throat. That. I mean. I, 
you can never make another Arn Anderson. I'm sorry. The guy looked like someone that would probably be getting to be like the jobber, so to speak. Probably be going to be the one that's going to lose the match. And he was the guy that kicked your ass. Yeah, Arn Anderson's awesome. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, and actually, I believe the reason why, because uh, Hurricane Shane Helms was supposed to be on the show tonight. And he's been, he was pulled by WWE from this indie show. And uh, I believe it has something to do with Arn Anderson no longer working for WWE. And Helms is an agent there. Yep. And I'm pretty sure he needs to be, he's filling in for Arn's agency, agenting type thing. Yep. So, uh, let's see what this is. Expect Detour. Closure 311. Oh, that's not us. Uh, anyhow, so your favorite show you've ever been to, top to bottom, was that second big time show? Yeah, it had uh, Finley there. It had Carlito. Bret uh, Hart was Carlito. there. Um, Wasn't that the show? Matt Hardy. Yeah, Matt Hardy was there with Ruby Sky. Wasn't that the show that Cameron Matthews wrestled Bushwhacker Luke in the opening match? Uh, yeah. And we were shocked at how good that match was. Exactly. I mean, it's like, like I was, I was shocked. Like Luke. I mean, he's looked seventy since he debuted on TV. I yeah. don't know how old he is right now, but he, you know, he just. But he's wrestling in this opening match, and it was. I was shocked how good this match was. I think that Scuffle Hillbillies took on the um, uh, Black Talented wrestlers or whatever it is. Um, Yeah, it was a good show. So, what's what's your favorite match you've ever seen? Oh, wow! And just real quick, I'm actually surprised you picked that show over. All these limitless shows we've gone to, or the Chikara show, or whatever. But I mean, after hearing you talk about it, I, I get it. Um, What's your favorite match that you've ever been to live? Wow. Um, or favorite couple if you can't pick one. Uh, you know, I've been lucky enough to be to a lot, and it's really hard for me to um, place, you know. You know, matches. Um, seeing, you know, one of the first times out of the gate, seeing, you know, Ultimate Warrior beating Andre the Giant in less than three seconds. Um, uh, seeing, seeing a lot of people that I never thought I'd be able to see actually wrestle. Um, it's, you know, if you think you have one match, then you just like, Nope, this one tops it. I'm sorry, and it's just it's it's hard. I am just an avid wrestling fan, and really, really obvious. It, it's just hard for me to place one favorite moment over the other. It's. No, I get that. I get that. I. Uh... Now going back, but going back to Tommy Dreamer. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Dreamer is a stand-up, really cool guy. In fact, um, when I when I went to the show that he was on, and he took on Shane Douglas and the. Um, hardcore match. Um, I was what you would say low on funds that day. I didn't really right. um, have all that much money, but I did have a um, magazine of a PWI magazine with me, a copy with me, that had Tommy Dreamer in one of the pictures, and it's you know him uh, stretched out, you know, hips doing the pose with the WWE version of the ECW belt. Um, standing out in the crowd, you know, and so I, I just, you know, said, looked at his, you know, chart of how much he, you know, charged for autographs and all this stuff. I said, Hey, uh, Mr. Dreamer, I brought my own magazine. I have this picture of you here. 
how much will you charge to, you know, sign it? He goes, absolutely nothing, guy. Um, and he looked at it, he thumbed through it, and he goes, that's a damn cool picture of me. And, you know, yeah. signed it, and really cool guy. So my experience with him at that same show was, you know, I have these these cards I like to get signed. How much would it be? And he didn't say anything. He just, you know, did the hand motion, like, give them here. Mm-hmm. And so I passed him the cards, and then he shook my hand. And then he just signed them all and passed them back to me. And I said, oh, wow, thank you so much. He's like, no problem. You know, like, so. And he had cards there for sale. And, like, you know, I, I offer, hey, how much do you want? So. But to me, you know, here's the thing. Just to, you know, thing, you know, here I got, you know. Um, pro bono, so to speak. I got you know an autographed picture, uh, you know, signed, uh, signed magazine of you know Tommy Dreamer, and at the same time, I got a side this the same magazine. There was a picture of Ted DiBiase signing about an article of Ted DiBiase, yeah. a billion dollar man. I got charged for that one. Yeah. So basically, it fits to the modern you know million dollar man. Everybody has a price. Right. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's. It is what it is. I mean, I was at an indie show, IWE indie show, and Tommaso Ciampa and Matt Taven were both there. And Matt Taven was charging five bucks for a photo, and Tommaso Ciampa wasn't charging anything. So, I mean, you know, I don't think five bucks is too much to ask. Nope. But then you, but you know, it depends on who the who the wrestler is. The one thing I don't like about when I go to wrestling, I usually bring my own cards. I bring my own stuff. They have cards. I buy them. I don't buy my tens. I don't typically buy wrestling T-shirts. You know, I just, I mean, I do, but not at the shows. They usually don't have my size, and I'm, I'm particular. You know, like, I know there's some fans that will just buy a wrestler's shirt to buy a wrestler's shirt to support them, but, you know, I, 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 I that's not me, because I'm like, if I'm buying this shirt for 20 bucks, I need to at least be able to wear it. Um, but I'm willing to pay, you know, if, if it's reasonable to have my, my, my stuff signed. I can't stand when wrestlers, like, just... Push and push and push. Oh, buy a shirt, buy a shirt. Hey, I got a shirt that fits you. Blah 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 blah. It's like, okay, great. I don't want it though. Right. I mean, I understand they're trying to make money, and I get it. But like, I don't. You know, that that doesn't work for me. You know, Colcabana doesn't. He's like, if want to buy something, they're gonna buy something. If they don't want to buy something, they don't have to buy something. You know, like I had, I, and or sometimes I'll be like, hey, can I get you to sign this card? And they're like, well, if you buy a picture, it's ten bucks. I'll sign the card. And I'm like, I'll just give you ten bucks to sign the card. I don't, I don't want the picture. Right. I'm not going to do anything with it. And they're like, oh, okay, five bucks then. I'm like, all right, cool. You know. Or a lot of times, I'll bring extra cards with me if I have them of the person. Like for instance, Brutus Beefcake is an example. I saw him at a big time wrestling show, and I brought a Brutus the Barber. I brought a Brutus Beefcake card, a Brutus the Barber Beefcake, a Disciple. A butcher. Uh, they didn't have a booty man, but I brought all these different monikers of, of Brutus Beefcake, and I asked him how much would be to sign my cards, and he goes, "Well, what are you going to do with them?" And I go, "Oh, they're for me. They're for my collection. Like I don't sell these. You know, like I have this collection. It's it's bordering on 600 signed cards now. And I was, you know, nowadays, but at that time it was it was lower, a couple hundred lower. And I go, and you know, these are for me, and I have this obsession with getting the different uh, the different gimmicks signed. And he's like, "Oh, okay." And I go, I have this stack of extra cards that are all yours. Would you like them? And he's like, yeah, absolutely, I would. And uh, I go, he goes, I'm going to sell them. And I'm like, do whatever you want with them. So I always do that. That and back when I went to another big-time wrestling show, this was in 2006, I want to say, in Lynn Bass, Antonio Thomas was there. And I had three of his WWE cards. 
and I just asked him if he'd sign, you know, sign them for me because I just just to have them. And he's like, "Can I have one of these? I've never actually seen them." I'm like, "Absolutely." So again, that's another thing I'll do a lot is if I have doubles for like an independent wrestler, if I can get them or whatever, I'll bring them with me because a lot of them have never seen them before. There's a lot of people that like I've met at wrestling or indie stars or whatever. And they didn't, A, didn't know they had a card out or they've never seen it. You know, like Jessica Havoc uh, had a couple of her startup cards that she'd never seen it before, didn't know they existed. And I actually offered to give her one that I had. And she's like, no, no, it's okay. She's like, you want this? You know, you bought it? You Absolutely. She's like, I just, I wish I had some so I could sell some and so I had one for myself. Um, and same thing with Tony Mamaluke. I had this TNA card that had... Nunzio, Tony Mamalu, Tracy Smothers, and Big Sal on it from the TNA Hardcore Justice. And I I, show, I asked him if he would sign it. Him and Nunzio were there together. And Mamalu's like, I didn't even know this existed. He's like taking pictures of it with his phone, sending it to someone. And so I don't know. I, just, I know if I had a trading card with my image on it, I would want that card. No, Big Sal, was that Sal Belomo? No, 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 no. That was not Sal Belomo. Okay. He died recently, no. So. And while I'm on this topic of it, I just, uh, about a month ago, I mailed trading cards to the Destroyer, and he signed them for me and sent them back, and then he just passed away a couple days ago. Uh, this week, we lost the uh, Destroyer, the Sensational Intelligent Destroyer, Dick Byers, and we also lost King Kong Bundy. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this... And uh, just, you know, prior to that, it was Mean Gene Ogilvy. Yeah, Mean Gene Ogilvy passed away, Sal, Sal Belomo passed away, so there's been a... And, and recently also venturing um, into uh, last year around the time um, um, the uh, he was an ECW mainstay uh, the Rocket Rebel well that was middle of last year yeah he, he, he suicide. yeah he did it similar to Ben Wasson yeah. 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 I mean I, on my blog uh, the Wrestling Insomniac I have in 2017 and 2018, I posted, you know, about the wrestlers who passed away in both of those years. If you want to check it out, uh, feel free. Uh, but yeah, so anyways, uh, we're going to table this conversation for now and we'll uh, take it back up later. All right. So we are heading home post-show Limitless Wrestling. Welcome to the dance from the Westbrook Armory, March the 9th. What you think of the show, Alex? Um, I thought it was... Freaking phenomenal! Yeah, it was a pretty solid show. We got uh, we got like a little bonus pre-show match. Smart Mark Sterling versus uh, returning DL Hurst, who opened an open challenge. And uh, good little match. Didn't last very long, but uh, Hurst getting the win. I thought he got a pretty decent crowd reaction. Got a nice pop. Yeah, uh, he didn't think so apparently. Later on, yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, and then. Uh, Jeez, and Crow, uh, I've been to the Westbrook Armory, I don't know, for a dozen Limitless shows now since they've been running there for the last three years. Maybe I've probably been there more. I don't know. But regardless, and um, this is the biggest crowd I've ever seen there. I mean, they packed the people in. And there is a great crowd, very uh, vociferous this evening. Um, opening match... T- Dar, uh, Darby Allen against Teddy Hart. Talk about an opener! Holy shit! Right? That that basically set the pace for the night. I think um, by far the opening match, in my opinion, was the best match of the card tonight. It's pretty damn close. I mean, 
That was a great match. Uh, you know, um, Teddy Hart brought his cat out with him. That was interesting. He's done it a lot recently. I know he has this, this you know, he, he loves his cats and uh, sets her on top of the turnbuckle. She just sits there, and or he, I don't know if it's a boy or a girl, but beautiful cat, though, nonetheless. But yeah, he definitely does love his cats, and they had a, they had a pretty damn good banger of a match. Uh, Darby Allen's awesome as it is. Teddy Hart is very methodical, and he definitely lives up to the Hart legacy yeah. for his style of wrestling. And, um, I have to tell you, Darby Allen took some massive, massive bumps. Yeah, he took a pretty, uh, some pretty vicious moves, and uh, you know Teddy Hart got the win on a pretty sick power bomb. Uh, not power bomb. It was like I don't know, like a sit out Falcon Arrow with a flip thing. <laughs> Regardless, uh, you know Teddy Hart getting the win. I, I don't. I know we just saw the show, but I'm probably not going to remember the order of the matches myself. Alex oh, um, I just I remember the matches I have them written down for, my, for the blog post I'm going to do later on um, I got an actual excellent picture of actually uh, Teddy Hart delivering a off the top rope Canadian destroyer to Darby Allen. I caught it mid flip yeah. and I was just completely blown away with that move I was just like damn yeah that was pretty sick Canadian destroyer off the top rope. That was, uh, yeah, and that wasn't even the finish. Nope. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, we got, uh, I can't recall what the next match was, unfortunately. Uh, Anyways, uh, another match we had this evening. We got uh, Christian Casanova was supposed to take on the Hurricane Shane Helm. We got pulled from the show. Uh, Chris Statlin, Statlander replaced Casanova. Well, I think the trios match was the second match on the card. Now that I'm thinking about it, it was the Shook Crew against Mainstay Posse. Yep, that was a good match. Yeah, it was good. Good six man tag. Shook they, Crew are very entertaining. Yeah, Lucha Libre style match. They had some good comedy spots. Some great uh, high intensity, high impact wrestling. Uh, Mainstay Posse picked up the win <clears throat> for their. Uh, once again, they're on a roll. They keep challenging the best trios team out there. So I'm very curious to see what's going to happen uh, on May 10th when Limitless Wrestling returns to the Westbrook Armory. Uh, then uh, we got uh, then we got Chris Statlander uh, versus Casanova versus Christian Casanova. Another good match. And I was very surprised when Statlander got the win. And the the match was pretty damn. The finish was pretty damn brutal. I can't, I can't think of the name of the the, the maneuver, but it's, yeah, yeah. it was. <clears throat> Casanova was upside down. Yeah, it's like, like a like say in the tombstone position. Okay, uh, yeah, it's kind of like a cradle pile, cradle uh, it's uh, almost, tombstone. It, yeah, kind of, but not really because he's supposed to fold up and land on his shoulders, right? And he kind of landed right on his neck. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty uh, it was pretty gross, actually. But he seemed to be okay, so that's all that matters. Uh, we got the Platinum Honeys taking on Brent Domino in a uh, handicap match. He had list laid out an open challenge, and the Platinum Honeys answered. And they had some good comedy spots there as well. Uh, and in the end, the Platinum Honeys got the win. And then uh, Brent Domino... 
tossed uh, what Ava? No, not Ava. Angel, Angel. on the floor, and then kind of devastated Ava a little bit, and then was gonna go for something else. And DL Hurst made the save. Yep. Well, he was gonna, yeah. And then DL Hurst, uh, well, he attacked Ava. And yeah. He fucking wrecked her with a crutch. I mean, Jesus, bro, that was that was bad. Yeah. Yeah, and then DLR's got a promo about how, uh, you know, the Limitless fans forgot all about him, and, you know, after coming back... He had to do commentary, Yeah, you know, so he has has some heat, and then he said, you know, Anthony Green also forgot all all about him. Because when Domino and Hearst debuted, they were Anthony Green's, like, edgeheads, if you will. Um, His, his, uh, um, McMahon's, uh... Stooges. Stooges, yeah. So it'll be interesting to, you know, I, I obviously I see a DL Harsey against Anthony Green feud coming, which I, I'd be happy to see that man. Yep. I like DL Harsey. He's a good wrestler. Uh, he's doing really good. I mean, sucked he broke his leg, but uh, he looked good tonight, so, you know, coming back. And then, I believe next up was the, the Dirty Daddy, Chris Dickinson, taking on ECW alumni original Tommy Dreamer in an ECW rules match. And it started out a little bit of wrestling, and then it built from there. And then Dickinson kept calling Tommy Dreamer an old man and telling him to, you know, you know, basically fight him. And, and they brawled all around, and Dickinson got busted open. And it was, uh, yeah. Yeah, for a trash can. Great match. It was a great match, I thought. They fit a little bit of comedy with some Oreos. Yep. Exploding everywhere. Larry was pissed, the guy that owns the ring. They got Oreo, you know, spring yellow cream all smashed into the canvas. Um, finish came when Dickinson put a dreamer through the ta- through a table with a, like a modified Death Valley driver type maneuver. And that table exploded. That did splinter quite a bit. And Tommy was all entangled in it. It was pretty cool. Uh, <coughs> Funny, funniest moment for me besides the Oreo is when he, uh, when Tommy Dreamer grabbed an orthopedic crutch and, uh, Wedgied, yeah. <laughs> wedgied Chris Dickinson with it. I um, Dickinson cut some post-match promos that I recorded. I haven't listened to it yet, so I don't know how it's going to sound. I'll probably throw them on the end of the show if they didn't come out too bad. Basically, you know, talking about his love of wrestling and ECW and Tommy Dreamer and you know, how honored he was to wrestle him tonight and everything. So that was pretty cool. And then Tommy said some words and... You know, for me, ECW is something special. It's like when I was watching wrestling, you know, I was watching WWE, I was watching WCW, and then all of a sudden my buddy Jay's like, dude, I was watching TV in the middle of the night and I saw something called ECW. It's freaking crazy because he had a satellite dish. And eventually it led to us going over every Friday after school when I was in high school uh, to watch ECW on 1 a.m. On, on the satellite. And so I have a lot of very fond memories about that. And you know, truth is, uh, seeing Tommy Dreamer come out, uh, playing Man in the Box, seeing him wrestle, you know, brought back a lot of great memories for me, great memories from when I, I'd say my childhood, but from my teen years, and my late teen years, I mean, I'm going to be 40 this year, so I mean, that's over 20 years ago, and I got a little, little misty-eyed, uh, I get emotional ever since I had my kids, I don't know why, but it just happened to me, something broke but uh, you know, I, I got a little teary-eyed, and I did at intermission. I took the time to tell to tell Tommy that, just to let him know, because I don't know. I just it meant that much to me. I just, I felt like he should know. 
But yeah, it was a great match. Dickinson got the win. Yeah, and I've been watching a lot of um, ECW through the uh, WWE Network. It, you know, it helps me catch on. So I've been watching it from, you know, from the beginning, from where they have it, and uh, seeing how their humble beginning started and from, from where they are about. Uh, I want to say like 94, 95 right now is where I'm at. It's just going to be getting better and better then. Um, the back of intermission, I, again, I can't remember the exact order of the matches. We got... Uh, I think the, Go ahead. Um, I think the, uh, the match after the intermission was the scramble match. Okay, maybe they opened with the scramble match. Um, was it Joe something, Josh Briggs... Uh, Brad Brad Hollister, uh, Dan Hauser, Canadian fella, face all painted up with like a gothic, uh, yeah, kiss demon look. Yeah, yeah, Pat Buck. I think that's six. Um, that was a decent match. Yeah, yeah, it was a real good match. Uh, Antoine Nichols. Uh, Antonio oh, Nichols. Anton, Anton Nichols. Yeah, yep. they got that. They got that. Held the effort. Yep. <laughs> he got to impale himself and let's rustle back in January. He's kind of made a t-shirt out of it, made a thing out of it, but uh, he got the absolute piss beat out of him. But uh, no, it was a uh, <clears throat> uh, good show, a uh, good match. I mean, Brad Hollister got the win, uh, pinning Nichols actually after a pretty sick power bomb. So that was a good, good match. Uh, solid scramble. Josh Briggs losing streak continues. Yep, and I see. Uh... A break something feud building. Yeah, yep, I see it as well. They had some little, little uh, tet for tet during the match. They both beat up Nichols at the end. So uh, Pat Buck was cool to see. Buzz yeah. kill, Buzz kill Pat Buck was kind of really cool to see him wrestling in that in the match. I believe we got the. Uh, I believe we next we got Brandon Kirk against Ashley Vox. Yep, that's a pretty that's a solid match. Ashley Vox. Got her ass beat. Holy crap. I mean, pretty severely. And the ref got bumped down, and Brandon uh, he brought out the skewers, and he ended up getting abused on him, so they're all stuck in his head, which is really visual. So he uh, he got some color after that. Box got the submission for the victory, keeping her winning streak alive. Yep. But she took an ass whooping to get there. I mean, she did a pretty, pretty severe power bomb. A really tough looking spike pile driver. I got a picture of. So yeah, it was it was something all right. Uh, and then next up, I think we had the tag team match: the Butcher of the Blade, Pepper Parks, Andy Williams against the Thick Boys. I guess Jay, Freddie, and Puff. And uh, I don't like Puff. I'm not a fan. And Jay Freddy, I I don't dislike Jay Freddy when he's when he's a serious wrestler, but when he's doing this over the top comedy version of himself, I just don't like it as much. It doesn't click with me. And uh, the Butcher and the Blade were uh, very interested in seeing. Um, I you know I knew of uh, Pepper Parks, I knew the name of Pepper Parks before. Um, of course, he went on to become. Braxton Sutter and TNA lasted there about a year and a half. Yeah. Um, and next thing you know, I see him doing this gimmick with this guy named Andy Williams, who 
<coughs> looks like a tattooed version of, uh, you said it best, Dr. Mindbender from, uh, G.I. Joe? the monocle. Oh, yeah, he does. I mean, it's awesome. He comes out of the monocle. He's got the blonde beard and pork mm-hmm. chops and everything, as opposed to the, the uh, dark-colored one. He's bald, but yeah. Right, he's also um, a guitarist in a death metal band? Yes. Yeah, I can't remember which one. The first time I saw him, Russell, was actually uh, Joy Jill's Spring Break, the first one ever. He had, uh, he had teamed with... before and I think it was against uh, <clears throat> Allie and Braxton Sutter so um, and then we got the main event and here's a weird thing uh, they usually announce about the night they'll announce the date of the next show location and then a couple of guys that are going to be on it who's returning this event they announced the date and location and everything but the only thing they didn't do was they announced that Ethan Page was coming back. Oh, you go, okay. yep. Alright, whatever. Yep. Uh, but that was it. They didn't announce anyone else, which is surprising. Because typically they'll announce a couple of people. <laughs> Excuse me. And then Fatal 4 made a bit of time. This is a good match. Yeah, it was. It, it was, was 25 minutes. Uh, Russell all over uh, outside of the ring, around the ring, out to the crowd, off the lockers, you know, they Solid match. JT Dunn looked like he took a nasty cut to the yeah, hand. Yeah. Or... You know, of course, at first Dunn and MJF, the Kings, you know, they were unified against uh, Anthony Green and Ace, and, and Ace and Green were kind of battling each other, plus the Kings. And, and then uh, JT Dunn had hit the, uh, the old death by elbow on, I don't know if it was Ace or, or Anthony, it doesn't matter. And right after that, MJF threw him out of the ring and went for the pin and only got a two count. You know, so then after that, it was a traditional, like, fatal formula. Everyone actually for themselves. And the finish was kind of interesting. Uh, Green gets hit with death by elbow, goes down, and then you know, he goes to hit someone else with it and he ends up hitting uh, MJF. MJF falls on top of Green. Ace pulls JT Dunn out of the ring, and the referee counts the three count. So MGF wins the title, you know, semi-conscious. Yeah. So it's kind of a cool finish. And then during his celebration, Ashley Box immediately came out and challenged him to a match, and he apparently accepted. So I'm guessing in May, that's when that's going to happen. We're going to see, you know, Anthony Green and Ashley Box for the Limitless Championship. So. I was pretty surprised if it felt that MJF. What'd you think of the match? Um, I thought it was very good. Um, I would have to say, like I said, it was probably uh, my second or third favorite match of the night. Um, yeah. And the the you know the other one being the hardcore match. Yeah, for me, Tommy Dreamer against Chris Dickinson was awesome. For the, the, there was a big nostalgia feel for me in there. Plus, I'm a big fan of the Dirty Daddy, and I love Tommy Dreamer. And so it, that was really cool to me to see for that match. Um, you know, also uh, the opening match, Darby Allen against Teddy Hart. I mean, that was every bit as good as I thought it was going to be. Absolutely, every bit as thought as good as I thought it was going to be. 
and it's always nice when it works out that way. Yeah, and uh, I'll tell you right now, as far as like uh, professionalism and um, how wrestlers uh, treat the fans, I highly recommend if you get a chance to see uh, Pepper Parks in action and you get a chance to um, talk to him and meet him, take the chance and opportunity because the guy is really cool. He's a really cool shit. Yeah, very, I, I can't disagree with you. It was my first time meeting Pepper Parks and he was wicked cool to talk to. He was a really nice guy. Same thing with Andy Williams. I mean, you would think of... He, Andy Williams just looks intimidating yeah. standing there, but he seemed like he was really soft-spoken, really nice guy. Yeah. Um, honestly, like, I didn't, there's no one there that I interacted with on a wrestling side of things that I had a negative experience with. You know, Anthony Green, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. Yeah. All the way down to his Josiah St. Matthews days when he first started, and, and he was in, uh, I saw him in IWE there. And then back as Anthony Green and Made Event Wrestling and then, you know, Limitless and everything else. So, I mean, I, um, I've been a fan of his a long time. He's a wicked nice guy. And, you know, like today, for instance, he had gotten some trading cards. The High Spots put out an Anthony Green trading card in the crate this week. And they're in this month's High Spot for us in crate or whatever. The High Spots crate, it doesn't matter. And he had some. He had mentioned he was bringing some to the show. And I was like, ooh, save me one. He's like, absolutely. And then he had a set of cards. He had released a nine-card set a few months back. And then he just released Series 2, another nine-card set. And he charged 10 bucks for that set. So I, you know, I bought that set. And then he gave me one of the high spots cards. And, of course, I get him to sign them all because I collect signed cards. And, um... What was really cool is, like, he thanked me for the review I wrote on the first set of cards I put on my blog, The Wrestling Insomnia, because he goes, I have sold cards to people based on your blog. People have, because I put, you know, I, I, I reviewed, like, the cards and the quality of them and everything else and on and on, and he actually, you know, got, got back to me, you know, he told me that, you know, people told him, oh, they, they heard about the cards on my blog, and that's why they're buying them. And so he thanked me for that. So I thought that was really cool, you know. And I got Tommy Dreamer to sign a card for me today, an old ECW uh, card that they used to uh, give away in the, in the figures, the original yep. San Francisco Toymaker figures. They'd come with cards in, in the second series. And so I, I got uh, Tommy Dreamer had two cards that were released in that series. I already got the other one signed and then a few years ago, and then I just got my hands on this one, so I got that signed. Um, Teddy Hart had a Limitless card in their Limitless Moments set, which was a nine-card set. Uh, had uh, him and Josh Briggs in the ring after their match in photo with them. I got Josh Briggs to sign that a few months ago. So I got Teddy Hart to sign that tonight. And I believe, and I've searched the internet, and I've talked to my friends, my connections, and I'm pretty positive that that is the only Teddy Hart training card there. You know, that's the first one. So I was managing that side, and then I got Domino to sign the uh, D.L. Hurst Domino card. I got D.L. Hurst to sign it back in January, and that's Russell. So uh, I, I had brought more cards I wanted to get signed, J.T. Down and Ace Romero, but once again, they did not come out to sign, but that's okay. Maybe someday, but um, yeah, so it was, it was a good signed card night for me. I mean, I got three of the cards signed that I brought, and then I picked up ten more from Anthony Green. <laughs> um, and I'm going to, um, you know, uh, take a sidestep away from the uh, 
wrestling here, and I'm going to focus more on your blog here. Um, there's a long-running joke between you and I that I don't actually read your blogs. Yeah, you know, yeah. That, that, you know, you you'll ask me if I you know read your wrestling insomnia or your other blogs, and I'll be like, no, and you're like, you don't support me, you can't, you know. Which honestly, I I honestly do read your blogs, and I have to tell you, man. You are one hell of a tremendous writer. You you have an amazing ability with words and um, actually making people um, see what you're actually explaining to them and talking about. And I've read some of your blogs just basically on, you know, your love of, like, hot dogs and, you know, hot dog joints across the United States. Hot dogs blog, yeah. Yeah, and I'm... I'm pretty sure with how you word and how you're, you know, phrase them, how you're thing. I'm pretty sure you could make a hardcore vegan, you know, <laughs> make them, you know, buy go. You know what? I suddenly want to eat a hot dog. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, it's easy to write about things when you're passionate about them. Yeah. You know, and then I try to write like I talk, and I don't talk like I, I don't use normal words sometimes. Um, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I, I, I wanted to add a little caveat to my uh, everyone I talked to at wrestling was cool. Um, you know, I was talking about MJF for a minute here, and he'll never hear this, so whatever. But, um, yeah, I realize he's a heel, and he's playing the heel, and he's a bad guy, and he's an arrogant prick, allegedly. And uh, Kenny Johnson did that little documentary with him. And it was done completely, quote-unquote, in character. Or the theory is that's just how he is. He's that, you know, he's that big of a prick in his everyday life. And I, I, I don't believe it to be true. But we were at Applebee's after the show because, you know, it's midnight, so we had half-price yeah. appetizers. And Anthony Green and the Planet of Honeys and MJF came in and everything. And I, no one went over and talked to them. We left them alone, right. you know, they're... They're having their meal, yep. and, you know. But I'm standing there waiting to pay, and Anthony Green just looked up and saw him, and he goes, "Hey," and he nodded and waved, and I just waved back, and then MJF looked back to see who it was, and I just gave him a nod because whatever. And he goes, "Fuck you!" And it's like, you know what, dude? The show's over. Yep. Like, you don't even have to respond. Yep. You don't have to say anything. You just turn back around, like, you know. And the thing is, like, we're in a restaurant. We're yep. in a public place. Yep. You know, you're not in front of a bunch of wrestling fans at a wrestling show. There's other people there. Yes, I understand it's midnight, but still, to yell fuck you to someone across the restaurant, it's just inappropriate and not necessary. Nope. You know, so, anyways, that's that on that. Uh, MJF actually had a big pop, though, when he won the title. I think there was a lot of people that wanted him to win. I think there was a lot of people that were fucking shocked that he won. I know I was. I want an AG to win, but whatever, it is what it is. That's just how it goes sometimes. I was seeing either AG or uh, Dunn winning. Yeah, I was, I was glad JT Dunn didn't win, because... Again, I know it's all uh, character building or whatever it is, but... He's not my savior. Pro wrestling savior by any means, and... He's definitely... He's, I've seen him cut promos in every federation, and this is where in every promotion, 
and he just uses he uses the same freaking promo for every show. He just inserts the name of promotion. So like you know, this is Limitless Wrestling is the house that JT Dunn built. You know, Chaotic Wrestling is the house that JT Dunn built. Beyond Wrestling is the house that JT Dunn built, etc., etc., etc. It's like it's the same shit. And first of all, no. None of this wrestling was not the house that JT Dunn built. He wasn't even there for a fucking year after the show started. Right. The only guy that's been at literally every single show is Anthony Green. Ace Romero was on the first show, but he's missed shows. Anthony Green has never missed a show. He's going to every Limitless Wrestling, you know, every big Limitless Wrestling show that Randy's booked and promoted. Either at the American Needles Lodge in Bangor, or when he did the show in Orono, University of Maine, and then all the shows he's done in Westbrook, you know, Anthony Reed's been on the whole. So, to me, he's the actual ace of Limitless Wrestling. He is the guy that built Limitless Wrestling, you know, if you will, and Randy built it, but, you know, Anthony had, had more to do with uh, the building of it than JT Dunn did. Yeah. I think JT Dunn jumped on Chris Harrow's coattails and wrote it out as long as he could. Because I go back to this match where it was Chris Hero and JT Dunn, you know, death by elbow against the Young Bucks and Beyond, and JT Dunn had no fucking business being in that ring. And if he wasn't riding his coattails, then when JT Dunn got brought out to PWG because Hero got him booked. If he was that good, PWG would have continued booking him. Right. And they didn't. And that's all I got to say about that. Anyhow. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'll put it on a side note. It was actually, you know, um, back in the, uh, problematic, the problematic show. Problematic. The problematic show that um, Limitless did. Uh, I had the opportunity, um, total class act outside the ring, also, uh, Paul London. Oh, yeah. Um, I got to, you know, actually participate, and, you know, fans got, you know, got a chance to give some chops to um, Paul London, and I got a few good blows in. And um, listening to the commentary, it's Ace Romero and JT Dunn, you know, yeah. from the background, and um, I will say this: I do love hearing. I do love JT on a commentary. Right. I think he does an excellent yeah. commentary. Um, the funny thing is, uh, Ace Romero calls me Andre Step 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 Nephew, or <laughs> and you know, of course, you know the fa- the fans went just lit up when I chopped. Uh, Paul London, of course, I'm, you know, high-fiving everybody, and then I go back and I watch the DVD, and I'm like, oh, that's done, and I hear JT Dunn going, that's eight foot of bitch. I'm like, oh, that's cool. No, it's not. I'm not. I mean, I'm six foot eight. I'm sorry, but <laughs> I still remember we were at the IWE show in Fairfield Community Center. I don't know if you were going to chop. They held them open and you went to chopping. You took a step forward even into the chopping. You stepped on the ring skirt and slipped almost, it. Almost fell. Almost, you know, almost, almost fell. I almost taped it. What's, what's more importantly is the chop was so almost Yeah. But nothing behind it. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious. We all had a good laugh. All had a good laugh at your expense on that one. Yep. I think I chopped um, Jimmy Limits. 
I think it was, yeah. Yeah, it might have been Jimmy Lewis. Yeah, which, you know, really, if I was going to deliver a dud shop, I guess it's good that it fell on him. Yeah, probably it was. Because the one you chopped, you, the one you hit on Paul on, it was definitely not a dud. Yeah. And I got one before on uh, yeah. Brandon Xavier Bell. Uh, Xavier Bell. Yes, I remember that one. George Gatton held him up. Yeah. Yes, yes, I remember that. That was in uh, Ordo. Ordo, yep. Yeah. So, anyhow, Limitless Wrestling returns May the 10th in Westbrook. Let's wrestle up in Ordo March the 23rd. And, uh, is that going to be the Let's Wrestle? Right, is that going to be the uh, title defense? The first title yes, defense that's, for. It's going to be Davian against Mike McCarthy, yep. But uh, the next, uh, my next show is Wednesday, April 3rd, Worcester, Massachusetts, Beyond Wrestling, their Uncharted Territories uh, debut episode. I talked to Drew Cordero about it tonight. I mentioned that we had tickets, me and me, me, my buddy Mikey, my buddy Jay. And he was like, awesome, awesome, it's going to be great. I tell you what, like, you're, he's like, that show, you're, you're not going to believe what we're going to have on it. And uh, what they've already announced is Masato Tanaka against David Starr, and SCU against Team Pazuzo, which is LAX and Chris Dickinson. So, I mean, the 10 bucks we paid for standing room with those two matches alone is well worth it, so I can't wait to see what else he's got planned. Uh, that's uh, WrestleMania week, so the big end of Mania going on down there. Uh, I think there's something like 40 to 50 wrestling shows between Wednesday through Tuesday down there in the New York area. Yeah. majority of them being on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I mean, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So, anyways, like I said, Wednesday night, going to be in Worcester. Thursday morning, taking the train to Providence to Mass Square Garden, Penn Station. And then we got a show Thursday night. And then we got three shows on Friday and three shows on Saturday with the WrestleCon convention on Wednesday and Saturday. And then on Sunday morning, Instead of going to WrestleMania that day, we're actually taking the train back to Providence and then driving my buddy's house in New Bedford. We're going to sit there and watch uh, watch WrestleMania at his house uh, on his couch, which will have a better seat than being crammed into the MetLife Stadium or whatever they call it now, Meadowlands. That's yeah, MetLife Stadium. Yeah. So, it's going to be cold. Well, maybe. Might, might just be. I mean... It was a pleasant today until the sun went down. As soon as the sun went down, the temperature yep. dropped. So, we'll see. And uh, speaking of more events that are coming, uh, tomorrow night is WWE Fastlane. Yes. Yeah, tomorrow's the pay-per-view. I, I normally do a go-home show for a pay-per-view, but I, I'm just not going to. Yep. don't have the time. don't have the notes, really. I mean, I guess I could do something solo tomorrow, but eh, whatever. Right now, we got the New Japan Cup going on. Uh, that's where uh, night three starts in three and a half hours, actually. Uh, our time. Might be three hours, less than three hours of our time. And uh, the winner of the New Japan Cup is going to take on Switchblade Jay White at Madison Square Garden for the main event for the NWTP Championship. I feel like Kota Bushi's going to win the Jay Crown, the Jay Cup this year. Uh, it's not Jay Cup, it's the New Japan Cup. Sorry. Um, also on the Madison Square Garden show, we've got uh, Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions against IWGP Tag Team Champions. It's the Briscoe Brothers take on uh, Gorillas of Destiny. I don't know if it's a double titles match. I think it is. 
And then we got Dragon Lee versus uh, Bone Soldier for the IWGP Championship. And then they made an entry right now that Bandito doing. So that's going to be, that's going to be freaking nuts, man. That's going to kick so much ass. But yeah, that's it for me. Uh, thanks for being on the show this week, Alex. I appreciate it. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. I've always, you know, wondered what it would be like to be on a... Uh, podcast, uh, especially one of yours, and it's it's uh, fun. I hope to do it again sometime. Well, sure we'll make it happen. Anyhow, uh, you can find me on the Twitter. I'm at Superstar Mel. And then, of course, please check out my blog, The Wrestling Insomniac. Also, the Facebook premise, The Wrestling Insomniac on Facebook. Um, I just posted a post about Rugged Running Garvin and his NWA World's Championship run. And my buddy Brandon just finished his review of uh, Fighting With My Family. That'll be up soon. And then I will do my formal written report on the Midlands Wrestling uh, Welcome to the Dance. Uh, probably Sunday to Monday. We'll get that done. Get that up by Monday. So that's about it. Thanks.
for the fact that you guys still chant it, for the fact that WWE Dead Moms just did a huge story about it, even though it was WWE and ECW. But ECW was built in armories, bars, and small arenas until we couldn't fit any more people and it was standing room only. And the Indies thrived because of the wrestlers, but most importantly, because of you fans. So give yourselves a round of applause. And I think it's pretty awesome as a community to come together on a Saturday night and as cool as this can be to watch something that we all love, professional wrestling. This is why I keep busting my ass until I die. I love you guys.